Level Event 2, The Wrath of God. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you have time, follow the Mind Refinery on social media. And now, here's the show. All right, as usual, to talk about the notable music coming at us over the past week is the hardest working man in show business, my co host, Coburn Blair. How's it going? It's going good, Coburn. So uh, this week, we're going to be looking at the new Busta Rhymes album, Extinction Level Event 2, Wrath of God. But first, joining us on the line to talk about the new Ariana Grande album, Positions, is the host of The Mystic Voyage on CTJR 91.3 and Lanquidity on ISO Radio. Please welcome the ludicrously talented Shannon Sweeney. Hi. (laughs) Shannon, thanks so much uh, for being here for this. No, I'm so excited to talk to you guys about the album because aside from a couple of like you know, Instagram DMs like, oh, did you like it? Did you like it? I have not discussed the album with anyone who's actually like listened to it in depth. So it's my first time. I'm super oh. excited. Oh, we're getting into it. We love it. So, uh, so Ariana Grande's last album, Thank You Next, hit number one on the Billboard charts and went certified double platinum, continuing a staggering run of success that started, well, it really kind of started with her first album, 2013's Yours Truly, although the album was a success you know it was kind of put together amidst upheaval in grande's life with the death of mac miller the breakup with pete davidson which i didn't even know how that relationship happened in the first place um so tumultuous time but successful album nonetheless coming out of thank you next you know what space does ariana grande occupy in the pop music landscape why don't you start us off shannon well let me just start off by saying Thank You Next was just top to bottom, iconic, a masterpiece. I still to this day listen to it from top to bottom and it's just, for me, flawless. Um, For some reason, I didn't see a lot of, um, you know, Twitter peers talk about Thank You Next on, uh, you know, Twitter or like literally anywhere um, back when it first came out. Um, I know she was receiving a lot of like criticism for one reason or another, which, um, also kind of just happened, I guess, in the Twitter sphere. Um, whereas this album I found, um, because I think it was a bit more of like, um, it was more, I guess, R&B than Thank You Next was. I think a lot more people were paying attention to it. Um, and I just found a lot more discussion around it compared to Thank You Next. Like, Thank You Next, the stands were talking about it, but I found this album, a lot of people were like, oh my God, like I've never listened to her before, but now I am. Coburn. I think, I think this album, it's kind of like... I think it came at like the right time for her. Whereas I think Thank You Next, you couldn't really escape it. Like it was everywhere on the radio and 
you know, kind of followed you home. Whereas this album is a little bit different because it's coming in, you know, this time period that we're in currently. Um, so I think she's kind of, I would put her like, you know, in the top five of pop acts out right now. Um, I think that's pretty like undoubtable, maybe, maybe in the top three. Um, and she's really carrying kind of the pop lexicon into um, a new generation. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think too, like, obviously I would consider myself an expert on like, you know, nineties and two thousands pop, like the Backstreet Boys, the Britney Spears, um, you know, the Pinks, the Insinks. However, nowadays I'm like, you know, I love me little Harry Styles. Like I love me little Mendez, but like, I'm not really paying attention to like the pop girls right now. You know what I mean? Like I'm not listening to Selena Gomez. I'm not listening really to uh, Taylor Swift. So for me, when I am trying to think of, you know, what space does she occupy right now in the whole landscape? I personally, am like, well, for me, I would also say she is a top three just because I'm like, who else in pop is, you know, consistently putting out amazing like bodies of work like she is. And that kind of leads to, you know, like uh, my next kind of question is like, you know, who are her contemporaries? You know, who is her career kind of measured against? Mm. I think you, you, you have to put Taylor Swift if you're talking about pop. But I think even with Taylor Swift, like she kind of plays in this lane where she can do, you know, folk music. She's doing like kind of alternative rock. Um, whereas I would say Ariana Grande occupies a more pure pop space for me. Um, and there's not really, you know, there's some R&B kind of infusion if you want to like differentiate it like that, but it's more just pure pop. Um, and I think that is a lane that is important, right? And that's like, you know, you have the Britney Spears, the Christina Aguilera, you know, you have like a kind of a lineage of where that's going. And I think that Ariana kind of perfectly occupies that space and is perfectly um, encapsulating of, you know, the genre in that space, whereas someone like Taylor Swift has kind of been moved into that space from her kind of country and uh, rock roots, where she can she is a pop star for sure, but she's not, I would say, um, like strictly pop. Yeah, I think definitely when you compare, you know, Ariana Grande's career up, you know, against like like pop predecessors i don't even know necessarily i would say the predecessors like britney spears christina aguilera because i think the music is more you know like rooted like like for example there's a lot more collab collaboration with what she does with what she does um there's i think a lot of more dipping into different musical styles although i mean i mean i'm curious as to what you guys think about you know how much of her career is vision versus uh management because i believe her talent is kind of and, and especially on this album are, is kind of without like you can't really question whether or not she can sing and perform you know what mm -hmm. i mean um so i mean like what what were our initial thoughts on this album my initial thoughts for me i knew it was going to be a grower um Whereas with Sweetener and Thank You Next, I was obsessed off rip. But this one, I knew I was like, okay, I'm going to take this in a few times. I know it's going to be an album that I listen to. And I kind of, you know, uh, notice new things each time I listen to it. 
Um, that's how I felt initially when I had first heard it. Um, love the overall production, like lots of great string arrangements, lots of great vocal arrangements, even a little bit of horns, stuff like that. Uh, I was really impressed. Yeah, I think for me, um, the album, like it fits into, it fits how I think it, it should sound. It sounds, you know, very contemporary. Um, the production on the album really complements um, the direction, the art. Um, everything is just perfectly encapsulated into a, a package and it, and it really works for, um, for what she was delivering. So I think the album just really, it, it fits and it, um, it's definitely something that I'm going to come back to. And like, it's something that you could study, I think almost. Mm -hmm. I think, and I was kind of explaining this to Shannon before we, you know, we got on, you know, we got on the air here for me. I mean, on this album, there's moments on this along, you know, with some of the other albums that I really dig when she kind of dips into that house and lounge inspired music, um, toying with like Neo soul. That's more, you know, kind of moody, almost like night music. You know, I'm really into that. The swelling strings, the horns. Um, I like Ariana Grande when it's bouncy and like effervescent like that. Um, the, the track she did with Pharrell on, um, sweetener uh, fantastic you know i mean like that's kind of where i enjoy her but like i'm not into like break up with your girlfriend i'm bored i don't know why that is um i think it might be uh, like i think there's certain like cadences and she sings in that kind of bug me but then there's other times where i'm like her voice is angelic and um again like her talent is undeniable i mean i you know i i thought this album was you know was a pretty good outing i think that um her music there's i mean we had talked in, in our review of taylor swift uh with folklore that there is a uh, maturity and a growth and i think with her it's about taking more artistic control versus where she was on her earlier albums and i think you can hear that here mm -hmm. uh she sounds she surrounds herself with good producers i mean like murder beat murder beats is on this uh the rascals are on this um uh, i think london on the track is in this yes yep and uh like tommy brown and so like like she's put with good she's good with good put together with good people i think it's funny because we talk about this um we've been talking lately about this resurgence of the the one producer working on an album and um with with artists and how that's able to sculpt you know sculpt a you know like a a really tight sound and i would love to see her do that you know what i mean like taylor swift has really benefited working with jack antonoff i where as i think ariana grande comes at it from a more hip-hop you know traditional hip-hop idea well, at least traditional in the last little bit, where multiple producers, you're bringing in the heavyweights, you know, there's uh, there's thoughts about singles. I, I don't know if that could work for pop, like uh, like for traditional pop, because I think you need a variance of sound. You need, like, you can have a cohesive vision, but I think for a pop record, you know, that cohesive vision is coming from, like, either the label or it's coming from uh, the management side. Um, so I, I know, I think for me, like, when I'm thinking of, you know, a, a pop, record i think you want like an overall vision for it but i think you know that's that's what tommy brown uh, like tb hits is doing on this album and like you have someone who's going to oversee the record but you don't really want to have just one producer i, I think even no matter how talented because you kind of need you know the names you need to be a pop artist who's working with a murder beats or has london on a track because i think pop is somewhat a collection 
of, you know, other genres and it's a fusion into, you know, the most popular aspect of these genres. So I think that's what this album does. And that's what a lot of great pop albums do is they find, you know, the number one people across genres to bring a sound from those genres. You know, like when EDM was doing super well and super popular, like you would have EDM producers on every big pop album. And now that like, you know, hip hop is kind of dominant, you, you're going to see the murder beats on here. You're going to see Scott Storch. You're going to see um, London on the track. And I think that kind of like pushes the pop sound forward. I would push back on that. I think some of the greatest albums in pop music are put together by single producers. And I think that I think it really depends on how you're trying to set it up and like what the overall artistic vision is. But I mean, <clears throat> if we're, if we're dipping, you know, into, into, into pop history, I mean, some of the, some of the greatest albums of all time are put together with one producer. And then, I mean, it, what it really does is it really depends on um, like someone like Taylor Swift and Jack Antonoff and like how that's able to work together and how that's able to, it really depends on, you know, what, you know, what the artist is trying to do, what the artist is looking for. I think that, especially in you know the r like the like when you're dipping back from you know to classic r&b and it's someone like um you know someone like aretha franklin and such it's really kind of you know or motown you know it's really kind of based on kind of the artistic idea of a couple people coming together and i think that that's probably been left out of this current in you know into you know this current pop lexicon but i think that I, I, I just think that in terms of expression, you can take it to another level because, I mean, realistically, since Nas dropped um, Illmatic. Illmatic, you know what I mean? Like, hip-hop has been really rooted in multiple producers, but that we see um, it really kind of moving uh, when it moving forward when it becomes this creative engine between multiple people. So I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that, but I do think there, I mean, given what the standard pop situation is, especially for the last um, decade or so, that that is definitely the case. Yeah, um, I think like I think I would kind of agree with you when we, when you get into classic pop, but then because you'd look at like Michael Jackson and, and Quincy Jones. Um, but I would say that, you know, there's been a, a kind of change on what pop music is foundationally when you get to like the boy band era and you get to like the super produced pop, I think that's kind of what um, Ariana Grande is now derivative of is this like expansive um, marketed pop um, where I don't think, you know, classic pop and like, you know, the Beatles or, you know, these big pop acts of the past kind of fit into where pop has kind of transcended to. Yeah, I would, I would also say that that doesn't serve the album. That serves the singles. So mm. I guess what I'm saying is you can, like, what is she really capable of is what I want to know. Your thoughts, Shannon? Um, so going off of, I guess, kind of what Coburn was saying about, you know, um, looking back in pop recent past, uh, we can look at, uh, for example, Justin Timberlake, had a whole album, you know, really beefed up by the Neptunes and then another one uh, by Timbaland, both of which are amazing. And I was just kind of thinking, you know, selfishly, how cool would it be to get, uh, you know, an album by Ariana Grande produced a lot by Timbaland? For me, I just, 
that's like a dream for me to think about. But also, uh, on the other hand, it's like, I find Ariana has been making her best music with her friends. You know what I mean? Like, Taylor, her friend. Victoria Monet, her friend. Scooty, her friend. Like, I don't think the albums, especially the last three albums that she's put out, would be what they have been without her working with her friends. And you can tell she's just genuinely having, like, an amazing time. And I think that is really the counterpoint to my point, because it's like that is kind of the motivation for working with one producer you know what i mean like denzel Curry working with kenny beats you know what i mean like um fucking 21 savage working with metro boomin and stuff like that um and then timbaland with uh you know justin timberlake you know what i mean they talk about how good a time they had you know making future sexual love sounds and i i i think that if that's what it is if she's like let's get into the studio and make this and we're enjoying it then um that's good i just like i'm thinking that she her level of talent is just you know what i mean like i think her overall vision of things like i don't think she has the you know pipe someone like christina aguilera Aguilera had um because like she's like really hanging high you know over middle c you know so she's like really but the but there i think there's an artistic vision there's also uh you know what she wants to do with the video i know i i I work i've worked with a few people who have directed those you know her videos and um she's got a big you know she has a vision and i always want those to come out but i think that's a really uh good point shannon um i want to move on to the tracks that we feel stood out in this Mm. i mean starting out with the opening track shut up when she said my demons help me see shit differently so don't feel bad for me that just like punched me in the face i was like wow it was just such like a strong you know, few opening lines for me. Um, And I think, you know, just because Thank You Next was a pretty heavy album, I think starting it off like that and kind of like a, um, you know, shut up. Like, it's kind of like a carefree, like, cool, I don't care. Um, It kind of was a good way to start the album, I feel, just to give people like, you know what, this isn't going to be Thank You Next. So deal with it. I, I always like the opening track as, you know, a good opening tracks. They set the mood and they, you know, they almost act as like a thesis statement for the rest of what you're going to hear. And I think like the opener on this kind of really did that because like it was kind of the ones I thought stood out. What are your thoughts, Coburn? I thought like uh, 34 plus 35. Like I love the title. I love how cheeky it is. Um, I'm a sucker for like I like the weekend. So off the table for me. Um, and then I liked Westside a lot. And speaking of what uh, Shannon was saying earlier um, about working with like Missy and uh, t- sorry, working with Timbaland because like that's sampled by uh, One a Million, who's you know written by Missy Elliott and uh, Timbaland. So I think that's interesting that you mentioned that them, um, and then that kind of comes f- full circle on that song. Mm-hmm. For me, um, I mean the collaboration with she works really good in. Um, ballads where you know there is a sensuality and i thought her and um the weekend worked really great together uh on this track um off the table and i i really enjoyed it It was kind of the first one that other than shut up that really kind of stood out to me um 
also like there's a couple tracks that kind of go in that style of that i enjoy coming from her um my hair and love language my hair um, is so good it's really especially good. And, like, ooh, ooh. as a jazz fan when the horns popped out oh my goodness i was so happy well, this is exactly what I think. I think she's definitely like she's hitting all the she's hitting the Kyle notes and apparently the Shannon notes as well. <laughs> and um, you know, I I think that um, you know when you get those uh, on love language, you're getting those like swelling strings and those like, and then you know you're getting on these tracks, you're getting those flourishes of like electric keyboard, it almost sounds like that Fender Rhodes piano. I mean, I love it, and I think her voice works so the wispiness of it works so well with that. And I just, you know, I'm like, it's it's like the music is very seductive and I, I enjoy it very, I enjoy it very much. And like, these are the moments where I'm kind of like, this is like this. I kind of always want more of this, although it's selfish because she's uh, big for so many other ways. Um, West Side was really, really good. I mean, overall, I liked this a lot more than I thought I would like an Ariana Grande album because, I mean, Coburn and I were, you know, we talked about when this was dropping and the, the new track Positions, which I don't think is like compared to the other songs. I mean, I thought there's there's way better material on this. Um, really? 34 plus 35 is. Yeah, I, I mean, I like Positions is a good single, but like, I think that. I think with Ariana Grande, I almost like the album tracks more because they seem, I don't know, there's something I, I, I think feel like I almost have a bias towards album tracks because they like feel a little bit more yours mm. because they're not so out in the public. And I mean, as I, I was saying, Coburn and I were talking about how like we don't really think we are Ariana Grande's audience. Oh, but I mean, I think. I think I think that there's I think that there's I think it's more in terms of like what our like tastes mm -hmm. are but I mean if I, you can really appreciate the amount of work that's gone in from one album to the other and I I, I definitely and, and some of the features on this are fan, you know the features on this are pretty good too I mean uh, like what do we think of the Ty Dolla Sign okay feature? we have to stand Tyler Dollar's signature because he just <laughs> did what he had to do I found that collaboration to be the elite collab on the album, in my opinion, just in terms of like, I just feel like his voice complements hers quite well compared to The Weeknd anyway. Did you listen to his 25 uh, track album? Okay, I listened to a few tracks from it because who <laughs> who has time for that? I will, yeah. maybe maybe one day I'll eventually get to all 25 tracks, but today is not the day. He, I think he's just... Uh such an excellent feature artist he's really good at that like he shows up to the studio i'm assuming he brings his guitar with him and he is just in the zone anytime he's on a feature so yeah safety net i think you know he really like sold the show on that kind of and uh yeah i like the feet I, I like his features more than i like his albums i mean you his album is like called featuring titles yeah i know <laughs> So like I'm just kind of like maybe he gets it maybe he gets it too yeah maybe he maybe he's the most self actualized feature guy who's normally on features his features are great he, he does really good um what about the Doja Cat uh, the feature motive okay well first of all Murda Beats did what he needed to do we have shout to stand out a, a Ni a Niagara, Niagara Legend, legend. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, shout out to Murda Beats he was oh. so that beat is just so good I love Ariana on a like upbeat track um and i think that's why i loved motive so much doja cat uh i mean aside from the fact that she was in racial chat rooms showing feet um <laughs> it was just uh, 
that was just kind of it's just always gonna be at the front of my mind whenever I listen to um a Doja, Doja Cat, Cat feature and like I don't know I honestly could have done without it but it was fine so Shannon what do you think Doja Cat is in the pop world like do you think she is kind of coming up in the pop world like is she gonna be like you know she seems to be ascending right now I think so Where do you think she fits in yeah she's definitely gonna be somebody um I think, like, Say So, obviously, is, like, an undeniably, like, catchy track. I think she has a knack for just um, those, like, really catchy melodies. And I think that's going to take her really far. Yeah, I think that... See, the thing is, though, like, we live in, like, we live in a world now, and, and sometimes uh, absolutely rightly so... Um, <clears throat> Where it's like if you see someone who's got where there's uh, smoke because they're saying and doing ridiculous things, uh, you're like, uh, oh, that's whack. Uh, when you see them in the um, features list, I mean, I I like this track. I mean, Murder Beats is just good. Uh, da- you know, like I, this, it's just popping out the way and like the the beats that are put together are, are fantastic. And I think that um, you know. There's a, there's a number of favorite rappers I like to see uh, working with him and, and, and artists working with him, but it was cool she worked with him. Um, I thought this was, like, okay. I like the track. I'm not too big on, like, what she's doing. Um, but, you know, the Ty Dolla overall, what I, I, I kind of like on this, first of all, the album doesn't... She, they're not hitting you with 20 tracks. I, anybody who listens to this podcast knows uh, when I see, like, a 2-0 uh, in track listings, I'm just my brain, like my eye twitches, because I'm like, why are you making it so long? <laughs> um, because they're ra- you're rarely able to, like, even Tupac albums that I love that are a ton of tracks. I'm like, why the fuck are these tracks on things? You know what I mean? Um, like, why why are we just like bringing this down? It's like making sauce. You want to reduce it to the, the the deliciousness. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, so it was good to see that. I love that there's features on this, but there's not too much. So you're getting kind of like more of an unvarnished, uh, unvarnished um, you know, Ariana Grande. And, you know, th- that's good. And we've kind of also another running uh, theme on this um, that makes me and Coburn's eye twitch is the too many features. Mm. Um, so of, uh, I mean, another big uh, Detroit 2, Big Sean, that's definitely an example of that. So it's good to see that this is the way she went with it. What I want to kind of talk about is like, how does this, like, what is the growth on this? How does this compare to its previous work? And, you know, how is she, like, how is it moving forward for her? Hmm. I mean, aside from the themes being obviously more mature uh, than previous ones, like, Ariana saying the F word, I was like, oh, my virgin ears. Like, I just, I'm not used to it yet. And I'm still kind of getting used to it, to be honest. It like seems out of place. A little bit. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like totally cool. Express yourself. Absolutely. But I'm like, wow, that seemed a little vis- more visceral than I uh, thought I was going to be getting on this next yeah, one. When, like when she said, um, fuck me till the daylight, I was like, oh, like, stop. Like, I don't know if I, it was just kind of jarring at first, I guess. I don't know. It's like I said, I need to get used to it. I've got a question for you. Do you think that is like personal uh, growth in expressing your sexuality? Because I think if you look at it like yours truly and then move from there, like it's been gradually more built on top of that. Do you think that is a personal thing or do you think that is 
uh, kind of a pop construction. You know what? I think that may have just been very specific to that song just because I think the song is meant to be kind of ridiculous because she even, I was watching a a snippet of her, um, an interview she did recently and she's like, yeah, no one's staying up all night to have sex. Like we're doing it once and then we're going to sleep. Like it's an obvious kind of, um, you know, hyperbole of, uh just you know feeling turned on so for her to like say the f word so crazy like that i'm like okay it kind of fits with the song pop music been making think people staying all night having sex for years and and, and honestly just... <laughs> i'm like a whole song about 69ing which really like is it 69ing is like not that great so that was just kind of another like funny point for me i was like really this this has to be genius though (laughs) title is genius yeah like this has to be just a hyperbole because nobody likes 69ing that much like let's be real yeah i mean it's kind of like okay that's good now let's uh okay we've done that um i think that i i I think (laughs) that if she had just put 69 it would have been like who the fuck wrote this fred durst yeah like you know what i mean like it would have been like it would have been so fucking whack um but at least it's clever so she definitely gets points on the being clever uh and not like writing it like like a 16 year old boy uh so that's you know that's fantastic i think that you know i think that i don't even know what it's like to be in a in a world like hers where like you can't like when does the I guess I'm going to ask you a general question because, like, I wanted to get your guys' opinions on this because, like, it often – because, like, looking back on various pop acts, you know, even, like, something like the Backstreet Boys or Sync, is that, you know, at the time we had always wondered about, like, the what happened behind the scenes in terms of, like, creative expression and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like, as we learned, you know, we learned what the role of their own creativity and their music is. Like, where do you think it is for her? Do you think that it may have started where she was more of, like, this manufactured pop act, but then, you know, as she went on, it was more individual expression? Like, what is your, like, what is your thoughts on this? I think that's an interesting question, because I think I was thinking about that kind of earlier, um, you know, kind of coming from a Nickelodeon background, and it's interesting to watch an artist like this grow and, you know, the music to change and then to start adding sexuality into it. And then, you know, you're kind of growing with your audience. Um, so as our audience ages up, you know, you can kind of introduce more and more elements to the point where then you can be like, you know, who you are as a, you know, 20 something year old woman. So I think I think that's really interesting to do it as a pop artist like that and to kind of like um continually grow and expand your art into something that can be you know consumed by more and more people Mm -hmm. i think with yours truly and then what was the next one my everything obviously i think it's i don't want to say it's obvious but i think it's pretty evident that you know she's taking more risks now because you can tell she's you know, she's just taking the reins, I think, on a lot more of her, like, creative direction. Especially, like, you know, she's doing her own um, vocal arranging. She's doing her own engineering on the album. Like, obviously, she um, she didn't start off doing that. So, I think, you know, when it comes to just her... Um, maturing as an artist and like learning how to do those things she probably is just enjoying like more behind the scenes creative 
work on it. Uh... Yeah, I kind because of, I always wonder because if you like, let's look at Justin Timberlake. This is someone who Mickey Mouse Club is in in sync, and everyone's like uh, at Starstock. People are throwing bottles at him. And they're just like, this guy's whack and sync. But then as soon as he comes on the scene and everyone really kind of sees what he's capable of, you realize that there's in this entire creative mind behind what's going on that has an absolute vision and is a collaborator. And I feel like she, you know, the more I li- like when I listen to these albums and I really look at beginning to end, it's I see like that trying to get out more. You know what I mean? And you the the issue is when you walk these you walk these fine lines between, you know, living up to your pop obligations and record labels and that kind of thing to like expression. And I, I always wonder what the relationship is because of that, because I find it one of the most interesting things in music, this idea of like what's bottled for you and what is like just pouring out of your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw somebody on Twitter, um, you know, a couple of days before the album came out, they were like, Oh, you know, it's scooter. It's scooter. Like, trying to pump up like pump out these albums from her um and kind of i guess um trying to say that positions coming out so soon after thank you next was a negative thing but it's also like uh you know if you follow ariana on um social media and like kind of follow her uh i don't actually and stuff like that you can tell she makes music like as sort of a cathartic exercise to let her fans in on what she's going through, especially because she has been through so much in the past few years. Like, um, so it's like, and also you can just tell um, by following her. Like, obviously, I follow her obsessively on all social media platforms. So, uh, you know, she's always like with her friends making music like that's just what she does and even if she's not releasing it that's what she's going to be doing in her spare time anyway because she just genuinely enjoys it so i don't know we this is something again that uh coburn and i touched on the uh this idea of oversaturation i mean like scooter braun obviously um intelligent uh aggressive um you know puts you know wants that work coming out do you think do you think you uh, do you think an artist in general should be like every six months putting out the music do you think that that too much like obviously that there is pressure to do that now but do you think that um you know is at the expense of the music i mean if you make an album and it's just sitting there why not put it out you know um i don't think there's uh harm in releasing it if it's ready and if you're ready to put it out um i don't know coburn what do you think i mean i think with pop stars you have a kind of a window of you know fandom um the the landscape changes really often um and i think you know new pop stars are trying to like kind of come for your spot a lot right so i think there is kind of rhyme and a reason to keep putting music out and to keep feeding your fans and to, you know, keep growing as an artist. And I think that eventually you'll kind of hit a point where you can kind of take a step back and, you know, that's when you have pop acts who kind of like take two or three years away and then they kind of come back and there's a lot of clamoring about their comeback and you can kind of reshape and uh, retool your career in that time away. So I think that's something that 
we'll see from Ariana um, that she will, like, you know, at some point kind of take a step back um, and then she'll kind of return to us. Um, and I think that's probably something that Scooter Braun and, you know, they've kind of talked about at this point. I mean, like, people say that there's a lot of albums coming out, but, I mean, if you look at, like, Led Zeppelin, for example, totally not pop music, between 1969 and, like, in 19, and the end of 1970, like, they released three albums. You know what I mean? Like, like they put out one, two, Led Zeppelin one, two, and three. So, and I feel like in the sixties and early seventies that it was just kind of expected, you know, uh, from you know rock bands and such. And I think that you know pop music and soul kind of followed suit. So I'm, I'm like almost like part of me was just like, oh, they're making you put this out. They're, they're making them put out so much music is diluting. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's not exactly a new thing to happen in music. Mm-hmm. like it's just kind of going back and i think a lot of it has to do with it's so easy to put it like before um you would have to finish an album and then it would take a few months for it to come out because i'd have to go in uh for mastering then i'd have to go uh try to be pressed and then you'd have to try to you know then there's shipping and all these different things that are put into it that slow it down but now you can literally finish an album and upload it the next day yeah and, th- and that's it and you know what i just thought of too nobody's touring right now and this is not going to be an album that she does a tour for you know what i mean like um obviously with uh sweetener and thank you next you have those big stadium tracks like uh breathe in and no tears left to cry however on this album uh you know nobody's going to you know see ariana grande and then watch her perform uh just like magic because you know there's not any you know really soaring vocals and she's not going to be doing choreography by any means to a lot of tracks on the, this album so i think for this like time period it may have just been an opportunity for her to be like you let me get this album off while no one's touring or like doing anything you know I definitely think this time period you have to release music like like you like I can't see like and I think you in this year you've seen so much good music released um and types of music that like styles of music like I don't know if folklore by Taylor Swift is the same if it's not done during uh isolation like that kind of thing what are your thoughts Coburn yeah I think there there is power in you know kind of giving your your audience a different kind of album in what this moment calls for so i think that shannon brings up a good point in like you know there's no choreography um there's no stadiums kind of to follow this but i i do wonder you know when you're at this you know precipice of pop music what the kind of strategy will be to bring this to the masses in some way because i know that that's something that scooter braun's probably thinking of they probably have you know virtual stuff queued up you know we have the video Mm -hmm. suite and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. i think people are kind of waiting on the big act or you know the most creative act to see how they bring about you know how they're going to deliver an experience to fans in this pandemic and i think that's going to be you know a big moment in music when it finally happens or if it happens but I think that's something that everyone's kind of looking forward to. Where does this album rank 
among Ariana Grande's albums? Mm. Thank You Next is still number one for me, period. Um, it's still too early to tell for me, but I think it might be tied with Sweetener for second place. Ooh. I don't know which one's going to end up coming on, on top, to be honest. It'll take a bit of time for me to finally decide. Yeah, I think I would put this behind Thank You Next for now. Um, and I think it's going to be above A Dangerous Woman. For sure. So I, th- so I think, yeah, this and Sweetener are kind of 1A, or sorry, 2A and 2B. I'll definitely have to give this some more time, though. Not to... I'm breaking rank. Oh, sorry, I was going to say to... Uh, no, no, continue. One other EP of Ariana's that I feel gets left out sometimes is oh she's dipping into hipster <laughs> ariana grande it's I not even it's it. the ep none of you guys have even heard it's christmas and chill I... oh my i don't okay. know well, what title... that is oh my god it... everybody whoever's listening you need to just listen it's november 3rd the day we're recording is it november 3rd today anyway yes we've breached november it's time to listen to christmas and chill that's my homework for everybody please listen to it because it's just so uh, I... good I think we know who we're bringing in for when we do the Christmas our Christmas celebratory <gasps> albums. Yeah, oh. I don't I don't know if um, <laughs> I don't know I don't if Mariah Mar- Mar- will appreciate the encroachment on her uh, her her months. You know, see that's that's a very that's a crazy 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 hit single. Christmas and chill is like you know you're snuggled up with your boo under the Chris like under the Christmas fire under the mistletoe like it's very. Is your boo in, in your bubble though? Of course. <laughs> it's got to be in the bubble. Of course. Or else you ain't, or else you ain't getting shit. Uh, you ain't cuddling with nobody uh, unless you have a loved furry pet. Um, oh, so what we do here in the rhythm section is we assign uh, the patented uh, Mind Refinery COG rating system between 1 and 10 on these albums. So what I'd love you to do, Shannon, is kick off uh, this little round of rating to close us up. Uh, go for it. Okay. So I'm always going to preface this by saying it's probably going to change because just like my top three tracks is like constantly changing uh, over time. But for now, I'm feeling a seven cogs out of 10, but it's a strong seven. Uh, I think for me, I think that is a really good rating. And I think I will match Shannon and I will also give this seven cogs out of 10 cogs. We have consensus. I am also giving it a seven. Mm. I was very surprised that I was giving it a seven. It is, I mean, it's not my style, but well, I mean, very well put together. Uh, Showing artistic growth. Uh, There's some good tracks on it. There's some bangers. There's some ones I don't like, but the good outweighs the bad. Producer lineup is fantastic. And um, yeah, Shannon, thank you so much for being here to do this. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it nerding out with you guys a lot. All right, guys, we got to get on to Busta Rhymes. Shannon, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, we're back. We're talking about the new Busta Rhymes album, Extinction Level Event 2, The Wrath of God. Uh, Coburn, you know, what is... When you hear a Busta Rhymes album is, is coming out, and I'm pretty sure this is the first one since, like, 2009. Yeah, 2012, um, I believe. 2012. Um, uh, you know, what is your greatest hope and deepest fear when you hear Busta Rhymes legacy legendary uh 
rapper uh, is putting out an album? I mean, I think for me, Bus is one of those artists that he doesn't quite evoke any like a huge response from me. Like, cause he's it's weird because he's he's in this category where he's you know transcended his time from leaders of the new school. He you know was big in the pop in the early pop rap days. You know, collaborating in like two thousand three, the late nineties, like ninety eight, when um the first Extinction Level event came out, um and he's maintain his legacy all the way through he's you know you'll see him pop up on like at least like three or four albums a year so his legacy's there but i've never really kind of considered him to be an album rapper for me and and for my taste i think that's an interesting point i think definitely his his existence has revolved around the single and uh with the exception of the the first extinction level event i think i think that is clearly his most cohesive album uh it's really 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 good um i think there's something about his style that maybe doesn't necessarily lend itself to the album. he's so kinetic right so yeah. and he's so good on features as well and uh he has these bangers but yeah i like i i don't know if he has beyond extinction level event the truly legendary hip-hop album like in the grand scheme of things, but he has all these legendary tracks um, and he's got these, you know, this music that is ingrained into the, into the pop, into the, into the lexicon, into the culture. I think, I mean, my fear is always the tarnishing of, of his legacy because I do think he is one of the great greatest rappers of all time. Um, that's talking about just from a pure rap perspective, definitely one of the best spitters of all time, just from a uh, flow and cadence and speed um so i guess my worry is you know is always that you know that could be tarnished because i do love busta rhymes but the excitement is that you know busta rhyme busta rhymes album is an event coming out it's great it's fantastic i don't know if it carries the same weight as before in fact i know it doesn't carry the same weight as before but it's uh always something to observe and you know i i only have good feelings going into it in terms of wanting it to pan out and you know what he's able to hopefully achieve on it so where's your what's your first four-way into Busta Rhymes like through your own listening career put your hands where my eye can where my eyes can see okay uh that's probably the first song I really ever fucking loved by him I'm trying to okay you know what okay I'm trying to remember why can't I remember the name of it? Okay, do you know? Do you remember the name of the track where it's uh, sampling the Night Rider theme? Why can't I remember? It's like fucking blowing my mind. I went into this like clothing store when I was younger, and oh, fire it up! Fire it up! There we go. So like, I heard, I was like in a I was like in a store. I think I was at Mall of America with my parents, and. Uh, I was like, you're in a store, and then it just comes on, and everyone, like, the people working there started wilding out. I'm like, yo, what's that? That's fucking super amazing. And uh, I listened to it, and I really loved it. I didn't fully get into Busta Rhymes then, but, like, you know, getting into that, then obviously Extinction Level Event was the first one where I was 
just like listening to it over and over and over again and i i thought was uh you know really incredible what about you what was your what was your uh younger relationship to busta rhymes like i think i, I like i have obviously fond memories of scenario i think that was like the first time i could kind of like identify you know who he was in relation to everyone else i remember like obviously growing up and like listening to leaders of the new school and like watching them on like i think they were probably on like throwbacks by the time I was watching, like, Much Vibe or, you know, BT-type uh, music uh, television. Yeah, um, I mean, the new school stuff would come on if, like, Busta Rhymes was coming in there. Or, you know, Rhapsody did, like, a, you know, an epi- like a, a, a feature on Busta Rhymes. So, you know, they, they'd dip in. Yeah, like, definitely. Like, you know, so he was a legacy act almost kind of growing up, right? Because he's a contemporary of Jay-Z. Um, you know, they had that infamous, like, battle of them in the high school but Jay-Z also didn't, you know, put his first project out till 96, whereas Busta Rhymes had been, you know, coming out in, on a mainstream level since, like, 91, you know, maybe even, like, a little bit before that, but at least with Leaders in the New School in 91, and then again in 93. So he exists in this world where he's kind of bridges the gap between the early 90s rap, and then he kind of continues on, but without ever kind of... I think he was like, you know, the best rapper for a lot of those years, but he wasn't really on the level, I think, of like the notaries from his era. I think this largely has to do with like, okay, so, you know, coming up at a time where there's Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. Um, so, you know what I mean? There, There's going to be, and then Jay-Z drops his first album in uh, 96, you know, Illmatic comes out. So, like, I mean... You're looking at in the 90s, absolute heavyweights, the greatest MCs of all time. And um, I think with him, his spitting is so good, but there is something maybe on the pen game that's left to be wanting. And you know what I mean? Like, I don't think his music cuts to the cultural core like someone like, again, like Notorious B.I.G., like, you know, Rockham, friggin' um, uh, Tupac. Uh, so like, you know what I mean? So he gets overshadowed by his peers coming up at the time, but I mean, it's like Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler is amazing. The only problem is he exists at the same time as Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? So it's like, he can't, he can't like, he he can't, talent is there, but he can't ascend to the heights that he wants to. But I also think his demeanor and lack of taking himself too seriously, because, you know, he's always... Like, even on the, you know, where he's in, like, the, the, the Pass the Cavassier video, like, the remix and stuff, and he's always, it's, he's funny, you know what I mean? I don't, he doesn't take himself too seriously, um, he makes the nerdy references as well, and there is something fun about his music, and I think that takes him uh, to a different place, too. So, I mean, like, I don't know, like, how, I don't know how you're supposed to ascend to the highest highs when, like, your peers, you know, are so dominant, you know? Yeah, I think it just puts you in a weird position as well, though. And I think, you know, having those dominant peers and existing between two eras, I think there was never really a clear home. Because, like, when you think of DMX, you think of him in that 98 era. He was explosive on the scene then. You know, Jay-Z was explosive. And Busta's like, you think of him, but I don't think he makes a lot of people's top fives for any specific era. Oh, I completely agree. But I think he has the overall talent to be up there and the potential, but it just wasn't like, because I mean, when you're looking at the greatest MCs of all time, like there's a lot of consideration into how you're looking at that is like, what is the album output? 
what is the lyrical content what is the influence um what is the speed what is the flow and there's different ways of looking at that like Pusha T isn't uh you know the fastest rapper but his delivery his demeanor and the way he does it puts him very puts him high up you know in the you know in the in the pyramid of of rappers um then you have someone like Tupac whose lyrics are so poignant and his flow is so on point and you know he had, that's where he's coming from a generational talent that's you know influencing the culture and then you have notorious big who off the cuff is just i mean like if you listen to give me the loot like this like it's just like a boxer weaving in and out and you know you see these videos of him in like the late 80s where he's doing these street battles and he's just incredible um you know like it, it's hard like like it's everyone has their little like place in their little niche and their little you know spot in history and i think that's a really interesting point just the he's in between you know that newer hip hop coming in the later aughts 2000 aughts you know and then the later 90s so were you excited when you heard that this album was coming like you like a sequel to extinction level did you think like the title do anything for you there i mean I love this idea of the sequel album. Like, I love that, the idea of, oh, you know, like, looking at it from, like, a cinematic point of view. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're doing this sequel. Thematic elements are the same, but, you know, we're looking at it, and it's, you know, playing it up more as an event. And I, I love that, and I love it also as, like, a marketing vehicle to an extent. I think the problem is is that when you're, like, extinction-level event, you know, you're looking at uh, definitely one of the better hip-hop albums of all time. And, um like you have to live up to it and as an older rapper like rappers don't age the greatest from a album point of view in my opinion and we talk about this at length uh across you know when we're reviewing other you know old heads who are putting out albums and i think that um there's there's the excitement in terms of what is he doing uh because i do think his skill is good enough to be kind of put anywhere you know, in the last 20 years in terms of like accepting, you know, in terms of it being, you know, good and enjoyable. I just think that I'm not like, it's, it's like Detroit with big, you know, with big Sean, like there's, there's shoes to fill in that. Like, so I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. It's about making it a legitimate sequel kind of rather than a marketing ploy. So what do you think? Like 22 years later, returning to it, what was your first thoughts when you hear this album? I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I don't think this is like, um, like I'm not putting it with the great, like the best hip hop albums that have come out this year by any stretch of the imagination, but I wasn't disappointed. I wasn't like, this is an inferior work that diminishes anything. There's some really, really good tracks on here and there's some really interesting features. And we had discussed before where I'm like, maybe the, if you're an, you know, an older rapper and you're coming in, it's almost like you're coming in and it's this way of like assembling all these people to make cool tracks. Right. And I, I that's the kind of the vibe I get on this. I really enjoyed a lot. Like I really enjoyed uh, long stretches of it. And I was, again, I was pleasantly, I was pleasantly surprised. I was really worried about what was going to happen with it. I mean, there's some duds on it, but there's also uh, some stuff that I think I actually will listen to again. What about you? I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, I like where he went with it. It's solid. There's a lot of good lyricism on it. You know, there's some misses. 
Uh, did you listen to the extended edition by any chance? Yeah, actually, I just listened to it uh, today. The reloaded version of it, yeah. Um, like with the like there like with the Eminem um, feature at the end. There's like a few more tracks as well. I think that was like the blowing the speakers. Um, what did you think of the? Did you listen to it? Like, what did you think of like Calm Down? No, I didn't. I didn't get to the. I didn't get to the extended edition. I like got to the 22 um, songs on the original. Listened to that a couple times, and I was like. I don't know if I really need the extended edition of this. I don't know if I need more of what I just heard. No, I'm I'm with you on that because I figure like I feel like on the Gorillas album we just kind of uh, heard an extended edition that actually made sense for the first time. Yeah, like I think I I I wanted I wanted a little bit more on that, and I think like what they left air quotes off on that album, you know it worked well as a bonus uh addition so like when i saw this i saw the red cover and then the classic cover i initially was listening to the extended edition and i got to maybe i don't know 12 like the anderson pack song maybe 12 songs in and i was like i'm just gonna listen to the the regular studio edition and not listen to the extended edition because i don't know that i need five five more tracks or or four more tracks of this especially with a 22 song album already yeah like i don't need i don't need to be having like more than that to be honest with you because like again like we talk about this all the time i mean i think that's one of the first that's the one of the things we scrutinize the most is like how many tracks is here but i mean i would expect that from like i i feel like he comes from that you know especially when you're in like the 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 early 2000 late 90s like so many fucking tracks on these albums it still happens but like i i think he just doubles down on it um so i don't really yeah i'm with you i don't need the extended edition it's it, again we're going back to these like why do these even exist like just release things as b-sides keep it in your pocket to like put it out here and there you know what i mean especially if you think it's good music if you legitimately think it's good music do that with it instead of just dumping it on the end of an album because then when you just dump them on the end of an album it's kind of like okay well now I'm kind of looking at this whole thing differently and maybe it waters it down. I think you, you bring up an interesting point, though, when you talk about uh, the late 90s, early 2000s and the length of albums, because this album was full of skits and that definitely is reminiscent of that era to have like so many skits on the album and have like Chris Rock kind of be featured throughout. And it also reminds me of the way that um, T.I.'s album that we, we just recently reviewed did that as well. I feel like it's kind of like a callback to a way of making albums that I don't know if it makes sense so much in the era of Spotify, which is an interesting thing because it's an interesting way to tell a story throughout an album to have skits and to have little, you know, um, storytelling pieces that pull the whole album together. But in the era when, you know, songs end up on playlists and, you know, people piecemeal an album out what is the point of skits at that point? I mean, I think you see this more, especially with old heads putting out albums because just get to the point. Let's, let's let, let me, give me the, give me the, the reduced, give me the sauce, the reduced shit at the bottom of the pan. That's delicious. Not, you know, the other stuff. What did you, I mean, what did you think about, like, what are some tracks that stood out to you? I really, I enjoyed, um, Master Farad Muhammad with Rick Ross. I thought that was amazing. Such a good track. That to was have a them really like trading track. bars yeah. on that. Like I thought it was really, really good. Not um, obligatory Rick Ross. 
Yes, I know you didn't like the Kendrick Lamar feature so much, but I really, I really like Look Over Your Shoulder. But I do, I do think he was like really playing in Kendrick's world on that. Yeah, the first, the first little bit of the album when you get into, I think you have like a Jay Dilla beat on uh, Strap Yourself Down. Yeah, he's just like really rapping. It sounds like pretty timeless. It sounds like you know he could have made it back then. You have the MOP feature. Um, I believe there's a Nas sample. At, on uh, the intro, so a lot of that, and then having o- old dirty bastard, a posthumous feature on there, and Q-tip back to back on track seven and eight, I thought was good. But yeah, there's there's definitely some stuff that stood out more than other others. I really didn't like the where I belong with Mariah Carey. I thought that was like a part two of whatever you want from two thousand and three, and I think they should have if they wrote that song maybe like leave it in 2003 because i think that's where that song belongs because it really doesn't like pack the same punch that that song did in 2003 and it doesn't really have any relevance i don't think to to this day no it feels like a super 90s track like it feels like it doesn't it's not good i mean like i now i'll ask you what about the mary j blige one i thought that was like i don't know like i think my intention had waned by that point of the album and that's like me listening to it you know front to back a couple times Every time I got there, I was kind of like, you know, I don't know. It just didn't really do so much to me at the end. And like, I thought, you know, the Kendrick Lamar feature on track 19 was a high. And then I thought that was kind of a a low. And I'm a big Mary J. Blige fan. I don't know. It just seemed to like lack something. I haven't quite quantified what that is. I had a seesaw battle with this album because I feel like I didn't almost like the beginning at the middle, but then liked a stretch up until uh, the Kendrick. I mean, the Kendrick Lamar feature. I mean, I, I, I again, we like he's good, but I like I just don't think like it. Just when Bus Rhymes comes, it just doesn't match. Yeah. Um. Like I just I'm like this feels he feels out of place, and I think that he should be the feature e or feature-er, whichever, feature yeah. E, um, should be the one who's adapting to the track style of the primary artist. So, did, like, did, I, I, did you find the same thing on the Anderson Pack uh, song? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I think, like, I think... That was yes. definitely something I noticed there. It was very out of place, I think. Like, it was more, like, spacey and more, like, atmospheric and more, like, I don't, like, I don't think Busta Rhymes works in that space well kind of maybe i don't think anderson pack worked. i don't think either of them worked well on this track like to be very honest with you no um, i don't i don't like, think so like I, I i like enjoyed it for hearing it as an anderson pack song but i don't, don't enjoy it on this album um yeah and i don't think it really needed to be here i don't think it like strengthens the album anymore i think it's kind of like a almost name recognition for a new new audience maybe for him yeah, I think that's I think that's what it is. I mean, uh, Anderson Pack's turning into obligatory Anderson Pack now, anyways. Which, I mean, Anderson Pack is amazing, but like, there's some I don't think he needs to be on every album uh, that anyone ever puts out. Um, I think it's just like we have to. It's like the features better, and uh, I mean, again, I absolutely positively go to bat for Anderson Pack. Definitely one of my favorite artists out this. But I'm like, why is it? Um, you know, why is it here? Okay, so the song "True Indeed." Uh, which is a DJA premiere beat. I believe this is... I'm trying to think of if they work together. I think he even says on the song, like we, like me and DJ Premier finally getting together. I loved this track. It was just one of those, I'm listening to it on the subway, walking in the city, and it's kind of rainy. I'm just mean mugging everybody, and it's like, he's just like... Just the fucking 
lines he just puts out are absolutely fantastic on this fucking amazing i was head bobbing i was like listening to it over and over again i absolutely loved it it's already on a playlist um that i've put together um i again i love the master fard muhammad uh with rick ross great track the best i can the rhapsody feature i thought was really great i really enjoyed it uh posthumous uh old dirty bastard fantastic as well although like i i kind of I'm always like feeling weird when it's like dead people's verses go on. Cause I'm like, where a bit, obviously like it was pre-recorded at some point they had it. Um, anyways, really good. I enjoyed the, even the intro, to be honest, it was kind of a cool way to start it. Like, obviously like I love Pete rock and rock him and you know, Chris rock is fantastic. So like, it was cool to see that strap yourself down. It was really good. Uh, don't go Q-tip. I like them working together. I mean, Buster Rhymes obviously worked with tribe called quest. I believe on the love movement, uh, maybe even before that. Okay, one that was interesting, and I was like question mark when I saw when it originally came on the vibes cartel, the Don and the Boss. Yeah. What was your thoughts on that? Well, that's their second collaboration that I know of. I think they they were on an older album. They did Wine and Go Down, I think, in uh, 2012, off the Year of the Dragon, so Buster Rhymes' last album. I thought yeah. it's cool. It was a cool nod to. You know, Buster's Jamaican heritage. I don't know how Vibes Cartel is putting out so much music from jail, but I'm not going to ask any questions. Not my favorite song on there, um, but I think it's it's cool to see um, Buster Rhymes be able to do something like that and to pay homage. I mean, Vibes Cartel. I want to compare to how much music he's putting out now compared to he was before. Uh, pretty ridiculous. Um... No one's clipped him in jail. That's good to see. Free Fantastic. world boss. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, I mean, I thought that was interesting. It was cool. Uh, I, I feel like I was, I was like more okay, obviously, because he is, you know, because of his Jamaican heritage. Because uh, I have issues with like, remember when I was like, yo, Drake, why is he trying to sound like drill? Or yeah. like, why does he sound like, why is he trying to be all grime? But, you know, I thought that was good. But yeah, I agree with you on like the Mariah Carey and the, the Mary J. Blige tracks. I'm like, why are they here? The Nicky, Nicky Greer feature, I'm just like, you know, whatever. But like, Boomp was good. Again, Don't Go was fucking fantastic. Slow Flow, fantastic. Fantastic for Minister, Minister Louis Farrakhan to come out, uh, you know, get some reps. What is your thoughts on MOP coming out? I mean, what's your thoughts on MOP in general? I mean, I love MOP. They... I don't know how to describe their kind of like brand of rap, but I would like, you know, kind of put DMX in there too, where it's just like super braggadocious, super, it's not like, I'm going to rob you. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like <laughs> in a very New York way too. Yes. And it's like, you know, there's an era when you could like that kind of mu music, like there's like, you know, a type of that rap. I think I had a name that I used to call it, but anyways, that kind of like style of music I really like. And it's like, you know, these like, kind of like fighting music in the club that doesn't really like, you know, people are making it now, but not to the same degree that like New York was in that era. So I want to know where, like, where does this stand in your uh, Busta Rhymes pyramid? I think that's a really interesting question. And like, I was kind of dreading it coming. Um, and I think it kind of ties back into, you know, what I said at the beginning of the podcast. I don't, I don't, I'm not like a, I've never really, gone through Buster Rhymes discography like that even in the times that he was you know super popular like he was never uh that artist for me and like you know in the era when like maybe before Columbia House when you could only order a few a certain number of albums like he wasn't kind of on my list then so I've gone back and listened to 
you know, some of his his stuff, but I still I think it'd be hard for me to rank it. Like I know how good uh, Extinction Level Event is, but like between that album and this album, there's really only a handful of songs and singles that I've liked from him and I've more so enjoyed his features, I think. So I think it would be hard for me to give it a fair a fair ranking. Um I can tell you it's better than like um the big bang and better than back on my bs for sure it's better Everything than any else. any it's absolutely 100 percent better than any post 2002 album by him yeah i mean like, back I, on my bs that, wasn't good the big bang wasn't very good year the dragon wasn't very good it's my, probably so my, like second to extinction level event like it's probably the second album to that i think i mean i like my favorite stuff with him is like with like leaders of the new school so i kind of yeah. enjoy that a lot better but uh probably three for me i know some people will be like eh, the, you know the hardcore buster rhyme heads i love extinction level event i love when disaster strikes anarchy's okay uh so i'm gonna have to honestly if i go by tracks i just liked on it the problem is there's also a lot of tracks i don't like on it but yeah i'm gonna have to say three men minor refinery cog rating system what do you think i kind of i want to give it like a seven but i think if i'm honest it's probably like a six or like a 5.5 for me yeah i have this as a six i enjoyed it but like there's a lot of filler that i didn't like um kind of things were some that made me feel uh that i feel felt quizzical as to why uh they were on it i mean the personnel is fantastic the i mean we got some good producers working on this Buster Rhymes can obviously rap again. There are moments where he's getting into this, like, like yelling rap or thing, and I'm just, like, kind of, like, my eye twitched. Yeah. Um, but overall, there is also some very good tracks on this. And um, in terms of my overall enjoyment, I, I definitely enjoyed uh, the good uh, more than I disliked the bad. So I'm a six. I think it's a decent album. I think there's much better albums that have come out this year, but at the same time, a fairly solid effort, especially when you compare it to like the album that Public Enemy put out or even like T.I. So I think one of my favorite questions to ask when I, there's an album of this magnitude and this many songs, do you think there is a classic Busta Rhymes album in between 1 and 26 that he could, you know, make a 12 song album with like some of these same songs and it would be people would be oh wow Busta Rhymes is back like let's laud this album yeah think sure that's I'll, I'll yeah. fucking do it right now uh extinction level event intro the purge strap yourself down uh czar um slow flow don't go boop true indeed master far fard muhammad vibes cartel the dawn of the boss rhapsody and maybe deep thought and i think we're rounding out at about 15 tracks maybe around yeah. there just off the top of my head yeah there's a bunch of stuff i wouldn't put in but i think you can get it down to 15 and it's, it's uh it's really good like i don't need the mary you don't need the mary j blige you don't need the mariah carey this is just um you know fucking um old this is just nostalgic navel gazing these sounds these songs are like songs i didn't like in the 90s you know yeah. what I mean? They remind me of like bad boy songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I like what I'm still listening to from bad boy records beyond Notorious B.I.G. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that, like that's what this, that's like what that sound is. And I just don't, I'm not looking for that. That's not what I'm into. That's not yeah. the level of like, there's a high quality. I think you're not getting as many certified classic albums these days 
I think that's going to start changing though, as we see again the the rise again of the producer rapper direct collaboration. But I there is a good a really a pretty intensely good level of music that's coming out. Um, so do you so do you, you think in that, that do you think that that move like I didn't see this album reviewed that much I was when I was like doing some research on it. Yeah, man, Pitchfork didn't look at it. I don't think uh, Fantano looked at it. Uh, I although uh, don't quote me on that because by the time this gets released in the next couple of days. That could change. Um, yeah, I didn't see a lot of reviews on it. Just like NME, I think Complex, like just some of the, you know, Consequence of Sound. Yeah, I think there was like only a couple. So do you think like if an artist like Busta puts that album out, the 15-track album, do you think that matters today in this today's age? Like do you think like people care or is it just kind of like, oh, that's a okay, like Busta Rhymes album? Well, this goes back to why, like what are you looking for if you're looking to put out, you know, if you're looking at when you're an old, when you're an old head putting out music, you know what I mean? Like, what is it that you're looking for? Like, are you looking to, well, I mean, like we talked in the conversation about Ariana Grande, how I was like, yo, I wish she was working with more single producers, but then it's like, oh no, but she likes working with all her friends and that's her, you know, way of working with things. And pop is maybe a little more of a, a multi-producer situation. Cause it's really rooted in the single. And I think that, um older guys coming out and just being like yo i want to just work with all these cool artists i've put in my time i've paid my dues i get to do whatever i want and if you don't like it go fuck yourself um but i think that's part of it but like i don't think people really care that much if buster rhymes is putting out an album like when i talk to my little cousins and such who are you know into hip-hop and in high school like they're not like what the fuck is buster rhymes putting out you know they're more interested in what 21 savage is doing and rightly so that that is the uh landscape right now so i don't think like i don't do i think it's important no do i think uh you know the usual suspects come out for features and stuff like that yep it's buster rhymes i mean if buster rhymes is giving you the call you probably have to uh for the sake of hip-hop culture in general say yes um not that they wouldn't want to anyways but i mean I think overall, uh, Drake no. oh, Drake turned overall, him down no. or something like that. I know there was some some stories about that. I mean, the, um, the, if Kendrick, okay, so Kendrick Lamar is a significantly better rapper than Drake, and um, I think that if they didn't work out on a track really together, in my opinion, in terms of like cohesiveness and styles, uh, and that may have just been the way they did that track, the uh, "Look Over Your Shoulder" track. I mean, some people like it. I mean, I'm again wishy washy on it. Um, I don't like what was Drake gonna do? You know what I mean? Like I don't think well, that I think because I think Drake Drake has more textures and more variants than Kendrick does. Yeah, but I think um, he, I think Kendrick has more in common with, with Busta, Busta with Busta Rhymes. You know what I, I yeah, mean? I think I would agree with that, but I think that's kind of also where Drake wins though, because Drake can do so many different styles and he could bring, you know, he could bring so there's so many different versions of Drake that could pair with Busta Rhymes compared to. My my problem with that my problem with it is I mean it's no hit on Drake I fucking you know I go to bat for Drake but um, Busta Rhymes is so fucking kinetic it's ADHD rap you know what I mean like yeah. he's just up and it's booming whereas like um, Drake is just I feel like so chilled out and like maybe if it was like Drake kind of singing a hook and then you know there's like I just don't know how that plays together that's probably why I'm also not a producer. Um, yeah. so you could absolutely be right. My opinion, probably not. Maybe that's just my preference coming through. I probably do not want to hear that. Or maybe I want to hear that just so I can hear what it sounds like. I don't know. 
Anyways, Corbin, thank you so much for doing this uh, as per usual. So uh, we got to get going and um, we'll check you later. Yeah.